torture me with Zach Magic. We'll be in an Uber. Next thing, excuse me, can I connect my music? Should <laughs> <laughs> no, I play Zach Magic for you? I love him too much. And I wasted time listening to his last album. Like sometimes artists release music and like I'm scared to listen mm-hmm. because I hold them so highly and I'm like, what's mm. this just doesn't add up. So I prefer to just hold on to the old ones I know and I love. But I then do eventually that. I listened to uh, Black Magic's last album and let me tell you, he hits back to back to back to back. I don't know how that album didn't blow. <laughs> because I don't know how you can listen to songs like you do. And meno meno, and you're not feeling, you're not feeling the vibes. You know, it's not. I'm going to, I'm going to go and listen to it because I won't like. But you know, back in the day, back then, we're old ones now. <laughs> <laughs> the thirty plus are just looking at us now, like, hmm, look at them calling themselves old. So what are we? You are ancient. Ancient <laughs> <laughs> of days. <laughs> but yeah, but like back then, like during A levels, ah. Oh. It was Black Magic and Brymo. They had me in a chokehold. The two of them. I oh. Yes, Brymo was it too. No, then um, I saw the whole thing about people trying to... I, I don't remember whether it was one person or whether it was two, two girls that called him out for... I don't think it was assault. I don't know whether it was like inappropriate behavior or something. And... After that, plus at that point in time, he wasn't even really putting out. Yeah, he wasn't anyway. Yeah. So it was like, okay, bye. Do you know? Uh, do you know what artist it pains me that he is scum? Just take a guess. Is it the band? It's the band. <laughs> it pains me so much because I love. I. This is where I'm going to separate the artist from the art. I love yeah. the music, but I cannot support behavior like can't. that. I can't. I just can't. Like, you know, I the funny thing is, even the era where people said he was beginning to make trash music, I still liked it. I still liked it. Do you it. remember that? Who is knocking on my door? <laughs> I used to jam it. <laughs> like, sometimes, like, old songs will come up, and I won't even lie. I'll just have to detach myself from the artist and listen to the song because the band's music is so good. Why do you not have to just go and be a nonsense person? Nah, him, I I removed him from my. I don't even think about his music because anymore I have now. Because um, there's a is it motion to I don't know the name of the album album shop, but that Mohit um yes, and obviously a lot of his songs are on there. So it's like when they come on, I'm like, God, my body is moving. I should not be moving, but my body is moving. <laughs> you know, it's even good you mentioned that. You know, another person that is giving me one <laughs> Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> I love it. I knew it. See, that's um, giving you know, me vibes. Last right time now. you asked me about that, what, what was the name of that song? Just, yes, and I said I don't know. I'm not too sure. Osai, that song. I listened to back Listen. to back to when back. When it comes back, you can't hold me back. No, eh? you can't hold me back. It's like it's like the song itself is possessed. When you listen yeah. to it, you too, you are, you are possessed. I love and it. That's one. That's that's one. For those of you who didn't hear, it was Hate Me by Wandy Cole. Then there's also Listen. Listen on Basket Mouth's album. I've not listened to that. I saw it today, actually. Like I'll See, that song. Like, that's what I'm telling you. Eh? When it gets to the chorus, you will eh. pause it and call me to say, wow. <laughs> Girl, that was good. No, I have to. Ah, after this, I'm going to go and listen to it. Because listen I saw it today. Then there's like, also Come My Way. Oh my god, come my way. Do you know what it is? Um, come my way. 
Champion Sound mm-hmm. and um, Hi, David Joanna, they play gold. Yeah. Those three songs, this December. Sorry, I didn't listen to anything apart from those three songs. <laughs> oh, then um, have you listened to Orezi's, um, is it Money, Abi Make Money, Abi? I haven't listened to anything from Orezi in like four years. <laughs> Let me find the name of that song. You need, oh, sorry, if you listen to to that song, you, you will call me and say, first of all, you will say, well, what the hell is this? So you're not going to listen to it again. Uh, hey, it's called like, Money Sweet. Oh, okay. Because the song is just called Money Sweet. First of all, actually, the song starts with any man will not get money in a slay queen. Oh, my goodness. That's how the song starts. I don't know whether I'm offended or whether that's funny. Because it's like, what? why why, why does it have to be a slay queen? Slay queens have money, too. Yeah. Yes. That's another thing. I really hate how, like, the older generation have taken the word slay, slay queen, a word that was supposed to be fun, a word that used to hype your girls. And to see, slay queen, slay else. mama. Now it's uh, the whole thing is just cringe. I swear, like even like even when my mom says it, I'm like, oh, I know what you mean. You're not praising the girl. <laughs> you don't think she looks good. Oh, mm. and it's that. But yeah, just listen to that song. You just ah, any man we don't get money in a slay queen. Then you not go money to sweet and beg a beg. Oh, I've heard that. I didn't know it was already. It was a. It's already. It's already. That, that one is really good. And then also before we talk about this music thing for too long. Yeah. Also <laughs> listen to Celui, Terizi, and Basket Mouth. Listen you know, to Commander, Black Bones. Oh God, that's oh, really bad. Black but Bones. But you know. But do you know, before like before we wrap this whole thing up about music, do you know who's like, do I say career pivot? I don't know, but shocked me. Basket Mouth. I see, I don't Basket even know where he got that thing. Who advised him to do this? I don't because know. Because he's good. Because the thing with Basket Mouth is, I've always, Basket Mouth is like one of those people like, okay, I can compare him to Ukaria. My whole life, I have known mm-hmm. who Basket Mouth is. You know, from Nights of a Thousand Last, back yes. then. Then now um live shows will come to London in like February, do his live show. Mm-hmm. Then you know from there he went into doing skits. Now he's done he's entered this music scene and he is and he is doing so well. I swear. It's making too much sense. And I'm like, everything that man is blessed mm. because everything he has put his hands into, it has just flourished. You know, on that his album, he had this song with Peruzzi jam, the song with one they call Listen Jam. Mm-hmm. Um, your body with with Buju or Benson, whichever one he now is, um, <laughs> like, come on. I can't lie, that whole Buju Benson thing, um, is, it, it was really sad when I saw it because Buju just fits him. I saw um, he, he joined in on that AMBT radio space mm-hmm. and someone had asked him, why did you change your name to Benson? And he was what explaining like that apparently, what? I was like, I was saying, wasn't it like a case or issue with names and somebody yeah, else? Yeah, has... he said apparently they were going on tour or something with uh, coffee, and mm-hmm. people were mistaking Buju for Buju Banton. Yes, that was it. And because of that, they had to they basically advised themselves to just change the name. But I wish they would have gone for something a bit more. I don't even I don't even think edgy is the word, but something a bit more catchy like Buju. Mm-hmm. Because Benson is so There's Benson. nothing wrong with it because Benson is his name. Oh. Yeah, I you know that's that's why I said it. it's so Benson. You know, it, yeah. it isn't 
it doesn't it's give like, you it's, the vibes. It's it's, it's 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 one of those things where it's like I've said giving vibes like fifty times in this thing. Oh, hey, don't worry because I was even going to call myself out if I notice I've been saying exactly too much because in the last <laughs> two episodes, every five minutes I'm saying exactly. exactly. <laughs> but yeah, the thing with Benson is like Benson is such a name name. Those that get it, get it. It's a name. Whereas yeah. if you say it, like, so, okay, like Olamide now, that's his first name. But like mm-hmm. when you say, ah, Olamide, it's, it also sounds like his stage name. Yeah. But Benson just sounds like your first name or your last name, but not his stage name. Yeah, I, I'm not so on board with that. Yeah, I really love Bujan. I think Bujan should go and sit down because. <laughs> <laughs> no, please, oh, no disrespect to Bujan. I beg you. <laughs> no disrespect to Bujan, but <laughs> Bujan should. It, it, it's like that time um, Drake and Wizkid had that whole Starboy nonsense. It was, um, wasn't it The Weekend and Wizkid? Sorry, not Drake, yes. The Weekend, the weekend started was... calling himself Starboy. I was like, will you, I love you, but will you go and sit down? Exactly. Go inside. <laughs> if you are confused, then you don't have sense. That's that's it. <laughs> Why are you making Bujo change his name? I don't like it, but maybe he'll come out again with something. Because obviously, it's, like, it's one of those things where like it's just happened. He has to respond to it quickly. When they have like proper time to think and whatever, maybe he'll come and say, okay, this is what I'm going, going mm-hmm. with. Because I saw there was a tweet when he was talking about people confusing him with Bujo Banton. They now gave one, he, I, I don't know if it was him, now give us one funny spelling of Benson. It's like uh, BX, BXNX or something like that. Something like that. And first of all, when I saw that thing, I didn't read Benson. I just read... I saw it and I was like, <laughs> okay, we have another six lakh slack issue here. At least your mind there went there. <laughs> I didn't... Re- like, my mind was blank. I saw letters. That was it. I couldn't figure out a pronunciation for those letters. <laughs> It now reminded me of this man, um, Elon Musk. You know how he names his children? Yeah. That's what that name reminded me of. I was like, yeah, I'm not here for this. This isn't really giving what it's supposed to give. We still have a whole, a whole episode to record. <laughs> but, okay. Yeah. Oh, my God. Ozai, did you see the... Um, well, everything that's currently going on with the whole school girl that was strip searched by the police on her period. I saw that, and I don't even know. I don't know what. Who who should I target rage as first? Like, who deserves to be bashed in first? I think it's the head teacher. I because think... I don't understand how parents drop their children in your school mm-hmm. under your guidance and your protection. And yeah. you call the police or you let your teachers call the police on a 15-year-old girl yeah. because they said she smells like weed. Only to have this girl strip naked on her period and told to bend over and cough on her period. A 15-year-old girl with two officers she doesn't know. And apparently the teachers were standing And there were no the adults... Exactly. First of all, is that not illegal? A minor is being searched in, without an adult present. Is that not illegal? This is and in the UK, so it's very much strip illegal. Strip searched. Strip searched. A minor. I said to God, if somebody did, if my child came home and told me that um, the teacher has called the police on her and strip searched her, then put her in a taxi to come home, everybody is getting a serious lashing. If I break skin, that's your business. 
this is one of those times where I'm so happy for my mother being the way she is because my mother could take almost anything, but you don't play with her children. You don't play with her children. No. Yeah. Mm-mm. She would literally come to school and she would warn teachers, listen and listen good. I can assure you there's going to be more done if you tell me this is what she did in class and this is why it's bad. I will handle it myself. Do not touch my child. One time I got flogged by a teacher Mm -hmm. with a blackboard ruler in primary school. And my mom came to school and there was hell to pay. She didn't find it funny with anybody. It didn't even matter at that point what it was I did or what I was. No. How dare you send my child home with markings on her back from a blackboard ruler? Why do you do that? Are you disfiguring somebody else's child? Are you mad? Bear in mind, I was like four years old in primary four. Who does such a thing? Wait, so sorry, let's just pause. You were four years old in primary four. In, no, no, not primary four. It was primary one. Did I say okay. primary four? <laughs> I meant primary one. I was four in primary one. I was eight years old in primary four. <laughs> no, no, I was in I was in primary one then, and I was four. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no. It's just disgusting. I, I feel so bad for that child. I don't even want to feel bad for her because I feel like my feeling, I don't know. It almost feels like my feeling bad for her is like, I feel like I'm worsening the situation. I think the last thing this child needs right now is pity. I think she needs rage. She needs yeah. rage against the system that has failed her against the school yeah. that let her be harassed and basically molested as far as I'm concerned and against the police that's that's how dare they to be honest uh, first of all the police officers officers should be inspected the investigated rather yes the teachers that called the police should be investigated the head teacher that allowed this happen on in her school whether she was present or not she too has to be investigated because yes. these are your employees how do you train your staff Exactly. How do you train your staff? What, to be racist? To a 15-year-old? They now said that, oh, um, when they looked at the situation, that racism may have been a part of the whole thing because of the area she grew up in and her color. Sorry, but from that statement, it's very clear what they're saying. You know what? It takes a special type of human to be able to do that to a 15-year-old. On her period. That type of person has passion. I'm sure before they search her body, I'm pretty sure shouldn't they have maybe searched her bag first searched her locker or something and if you don't find any drugs in there and you do like a basic pat down down. you don't find any drugs in there what are you looking for there do you know do you know what that's not even my issue mine is more of a because she's 15 so she's very she's cognitively able she speaks for herself Mm -hmm. she definitely said when they told her to strip she definitely said i'm on my period and they said i don't care the article I saw said they were all aware. Everybody was aware she was on her period and they did it regardless. Because one thing I know about UK girls in um, secondary school, we'll make sure the whole world knows when we're on our period. Because <laughs> I don't know why we do it, but like we'll be in the, in the class and it's like maybe we want to go to the toilet and change our pad. But obviously you don't want to tell the whole class you're going to change your pad. So you just mm-hmm. say, miss, uh, can I please go to the toilet? And I don't know what it is with teachers letting you go to the toilet. They will not allow you to go to the toilet. So they always behave like maybe every minute you spend away from that classroom, they take from their salary. Exactly. I understand that you don't want your students lurching around because that, that also doesn't tell well on you as a yeah. teacher. But where is your compassion? You're dealing exactly. with children. If they need to pee, they need to pee. Yeah. 
and they always used they always used to say oh you should have gone at lunchtime that was when we'd now get defensive and say like, well i didn't need to pee then and anyways i'm on my period so if you want me to bleed all over your table i will bleed all over your <laughs> like we and i went to an all-girls school so we were quite shameless everybody here has a period so there were yeah. there were no boys to be feeling shy for even up to the male teachers when they say no you say you know what i'll pull my panty and i'll pee on your table teacher would just say you know what go oh go. lord there was this baby, um, so during GCSE, so I did history GCSE, and there were two yeah. history classes. So I had my class, which had the female teacher, and then my friend's class had the male teacher. Yeah. And my friend was a nuisance. I'm not even going to lie. She was a nuisance. She was a tyrant. The babe would, like, sometimes she would get angry, and she'd start throwing chairs at the teacher. Like, she, she was quite bad. There was a day she asked to go to the toilet, and he said no. The babe said, do you want to see my fanny? I can take off what? my knickers for you. The man was just looking at her. I was like, if you don't want to see my fanny, let me go to the toilet. <laughs> but wow. the thing is, the teacher still said no. He said she can't go. Yeah. And the thing is, our classrooms were next to each other. So we could hear them having this argument. They were screaming. And then next thing she said is, you're a pervert and a pedophile. You want to see me naked? What? That was how we allowed her to go to the toilet. So... Expect if she's gone to a school where I don't because they didn't say if it's a girls' school or not, but if it's mm-hmm. an all girls school, as that article said, they were all aware that she was on her period for sure, and she yeah. most definitely made those officers aware because they said that the officers were two women, which is yeah. what makes this whole thing worse because those How two women also have their own that. They How also can have you do that, and maybe maybe not they have children or nephews nieces but there are definitely children in their lives whether it's their own whether it's um their siblings or whether it's mm-hmm. their friend zone there are definitely children in their lives how can you do that to a child how can you look at a 15 year old girl in her eyes knowing that she's on her period tell her you don't care and she should bend over and cough i promise you say i'll cough so hard <laughs> <laughs> like there you go I I will gather all the energy in my body, and I in fact I, if you know those you know those hybrid cough sneeze things. Oh my goodness! I will cough sneeze. Clean no, it I'm off. actually so I feel like see shame 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 on the police shame on the teachers all of them because I can't even say you know maybe not everyone was involved but there is no way that that kind of thing would be happening and at least all the teachers for that year. Mm-hmm. are not aware of it mm-hmm. and you're telling me that not one teacher could stand up and say no this isn't right no no but the article i read said that they were standing outside the door as it was happening how are they going to stand up and say it's wrong if they called the police that's the thing they knew what they were doing everyone involved in this whole thing knew what they were doing and the police issued an apology performative nonsense, nonsense. what did they call it a tragedy or something like that very silly people and you know what's so sad i think um a post in the newspaper came up where it had like quotes from this 15 year old girl and like she was basically expressing how she felt and you know how you said you feel sorry for her but you don't feel sorry for her i feel sorry for her based on not like her okay i don't feel sorry for her i feel sorry for her situation and the fact that she had to be put in this type of situation because this is something she has to carry for the rest of her life yeah on top of that 
I feel so much rage for her also because she has no one to turn to because she went home she told her mom obviously that's how we all got out yeah. but who's her mom going to go to in a situation like this you're supposed to go to the police but it's the but police, what is the police who did this to you who do you go to from exactly there? she can't go back to school and tell her teachers because her teachers called so she has no one apart from obviously her family but even them they're helpless because the people they're supposed to turn to for help are the ones that put them in this situation it's ridiculous because like she said it's absolutely ridiculous yeah like even if i'm looking at some of her quotes and it's like she's she said on top of preparing for the most important exams of my life i can't go a single day without wanting to scream shout or cry or give up so well this episode you know if you're listening to this later in the future like in two (laughs) years time or whatever where this is it's currently what march 2022 this Mm -hmm. is the beginning of exam season we're mid-march reaching the end of march from now it will like be study may exams how do you want this poor girl to concentrate on her gcse exams this is what this baby used to enter to go and do her A-levels. If she wants to go to uni, these are the results that she's supposed to submit as well. And you've given this baby this trauma. Then later, this much goes, trauma to carry. Then later, if she now fails the exams because she can't concentrate, everyone's going to call her lazy and say, oh, you see, black students are underperforming. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like, no. And then when, when she now says, no, these are my mitigating circumstances, what will they hit her with? Oh, no, they're not mitigating circumstances. You're making excuses. Because, you know, you're not the first person to be assaulted. And look at so-and-so. She was assaulted and she did magical things in her life. But not everybody's the same. Yeah. Trauma affects people differently. But hmm, in this country where they said that they are not racist, this is looking very racist to me. I just, I, I wish her and her family the best. And I hope that they're actually able to you know, make the school pay, make the police pay. They should they should be able to file something. There I has to be a lawsuit arising from this because she's a minor. You can't do anything with a minor and, without an adult present. Yeah. And do you know what's also crazy about this whole situation? I saw um somebody else with the TL was now ex- giving us her own situation, but she didn't give, like, details of her situation because she was like, she doesn't want, you know, that thing where, like, if you now come and speak out and they're like, oh, yeah, only speaking out because this person spoke out, blah, 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 and start yeah. saying that she shouldn't have. So she was like, she doesn't want to give details of what happened to her because she doesn't want to take away from the attention that this girl needs. But yeah. when she was nine years old, I think she was assaulted by a police officer. Obviously, she's nine years old. Mm-hmm. Who's she going to report that to? Nobody. So when this came out, no, this was it wasn't when this came out, actually. It was a few years ago when it, when she now had enough courage to speak about it. That's it. She yeah. reported it to the police. Do you know what the police told her? What? The case is over a decade old. We're not looking into it. Meanwhile, it's the same police that will be looking for, that are still looking for Madeleine McCann. That one is it. I think we have to do another episode on that on its own because that thing is basically a money laundering scheme right now. As far one hundred percent. The thing is, from a legal point of view, I understand because there are like statutes of limitations and limitation periods for for certain offenses. So things like I don't know, maybe robbery or just there are a couple of offenses in different jurisdictions that legally speaking you can't pursue after a certain period of time it's like with land for example land issues in nigeria you have a period of time that they expect you to bring your case and if you don't it's like okay cool you Mm -hmm. wave your you start on your own rights and that's fine but speaking now from 
a moral point of view. She can't be dismissed like that. First of all, she if was there's nine still years a old. Way, yeah, if there is still a way that you can find something, any type of evidence. Because, you know, part of the reason why some of these limitations exist for certain cases is that after a while, it becomes, it's like hearsay, kind of. Mm-hmm. You can't really find anyone to back up the the claims that are being made. You can't really find any evidence. So it's like they know pushing that kind of case in court is basically, I'm not saying this particular case, but like pushing mm-hmm. a case that has happened so many years ago in court is basically handing over a victory to the defense lawyer, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're just going to pick the whole thing apart. The, the um, you basically only have to prove beyond reasonable doubt. If it happened 15 years ago, <laughs> it's very easy to pick reasonable doubts <clears throat> out of everything that you're saying, you know? Yeah. So I get that, but they can't. you can't just dismiss her like that. At least you... Come on. Yeah, like, literally, she just... Po- she even posted, like, obviously, she redacted the sentencing information, yeah. but she literally just posted the letter that the police sent to her, and they were like, we're not investigating this because it happened some 15 years ago, and... Yeah. Uh, what do you want us to do? That was basically the gist of the letter, and it was like she was nine. Another thing they that was in the letter was something about how like because of how long ago it happened, she would have to prove certain things like why she didn't speak up then. Um, what's because I was nine? Do you know at nine all you know is to cry and then move on? Like you you haven't really been taught how to um deal with your emotions at nine. You're just kind of, and the thing is, at nine, you're experiencing a lot of emotion, new emotions for the first time. So it's like, uh, what, what do you, what did they want her to do? Why, why yeah. you didn't speak up at that time? Because I didn't know I was supposed to. That was the first thing. You know what this even reminds me of talking about this same issue of like children being um exposed to. Sorry, Osai. Before you go on, I'd just like to give a disclaimer that this episode has a lot of um, sensitive content that we'll be discussing. Um, Some people may feel uncomfortable listening to it, but if you know that you feel you can handle the topics that we are talking about, yeah, then sure, go ahead and listen to it. But if, you know, topics like grooming, assault, um, rape, sexual abuse, all of that, it's a bit too much for you to listen to now or always, then we will not be offended if you turn it off. And read a book. Or go and listen, go and listen to the songs Osaito used to listen to. Yes, <laughs> go and listen to some celery. <laughs> okay. But yeah. So um I was saying this reminds me of a tweet I saw over the week where someone on Twitter was talking about how basically Long story short, there was a boy in his secondary school who Mm -hmm. was having a really tough time. Seemed like he was being bullied and all of that. And eventually he was expelled from the school. And he met up with him recently. And it turns out that that boy was being sexually harassed, molested, assaulted, raped by senior boys in the hostel. Mm. And it wasn't like they were, it, this was a, it was a gang thing. So this isn't like a, this isn't like a one person, one, um, one assaulter, one yeah. victim thing. It's like a group of assaulters mm-hmm. with one victim, a child Jesus in school. Christ. And eventually, I think, what, what was it? Was it that they got tired of him or, you know, maybe they, maybe they just didn't want that anymore. And they basically set him up and got him expelled. Jesus so, Christ. 
Do you know what I don't understand? Do you know what I don't understand? How are children so... Like, we know children are wicked. But to this extent where you are raping your fellow students, you are molesting, abusing, doing all these horrible things to your fellow students. I know a lot of it is like some some of them is what you see at home. You don't know anything else. Some of them is what you see yeah. on TV and what you pick up. Some of you, some of them, it's their temperaments. That's just who they are as a person. And I mean, that's not great, but there are people like that. But then sometimes, oh, it's crazy. Like how? Like okay, it's one thing to I have think... those thoughts to be exposed to. It. It's another thing to actually practice it and do it. I think a bunch of it comes from home, to be honest, because I understand that there are some people in this world that I don't want to call them lost causes, but they're just how they are. They're just bad. Mm -hmm. And that's it. It Mm -hmm. doesn't like they aren't a reflection of their family environment or their siblings or their parents. They're just on their own. Mm -hmm. But, But. That being said, a bunch of the behaviors and the character traits that you see in children actually come from their home environment. Mm -hmm. It may not be the parents specifically. It may be the maids that they leave the children with. It may be cousins that come around that aren't really good influences like that. It's really difficult for you to raise a child in love and Mm -hmm. have the child go to hostel and gang rape another boy. Yeah. Another girl it is really difficult. The child would have to be so easily susceptible to peer pressure and so foolish to do such a thing. But when you raise children in wickedness, I don't understand how you will now be surprised that your child is exhibiting that same wickedness times 10. Because bear in mind, your own wickedness that you are that you're raising them in is just wickedness, ordinary wickedness. Yeah. This child is exhibiting that wickedness with anger. Yes, yes. Oh my God, that's that's so true because it's one of those things where it's like you know, transference of anger mm-hmm. in the way that they know how to, which is what they've seen at home. Yeah. So whatever anger and you know wickedness you're seeing at home, you're now transferring that plus your own internalized rage from what you're witnessing or what you're being um um made victim of at home. You take it. You multiply it with a bunch of other people who feel the same way as you or who are basically just miscreants, right? Yeah. And now you have all that rage, all that learned wickedness. That's it, because I feel like you basically have to learn to disregard people so much for you to even be able to do something like this. Now you have a group with a very conducive environment for that bad behavior to fester and grow and just. And, you know, in, in a lot of schools in Nigeria, there's always, like, the clique with the boys yeah. or the girls that their parents are, you know, PTA chairman. They're always dropping money for the school. So those guys never really get into trouble. Yeah. If anything, when they get into tr- trouble, you know, they have their schoolmasters and whatever come and cover up for them. So they're really avoiding consequences for a long period of time. Hmm. And then something like this happens and everyone pretends to be surprised. Yeah. And, you know, all these types of situations that happen in school, that happen to children and everything, a lot of a lot of the things, especially in Nigeria, it's the lack of safeguarding. Like, what do you call it? Obviously, they have the whole, they have um, the different organizations and then the different laws yeah. and whatever that they have in place to 
um, ensure safeguarding. And I'm saying that with air quotation marks. <laughs> but, but the thing is, in a place like, okay, so like in the UK now, this situation with this 15-year-old girl is very much what they have said, these aren't my words, is that they yeah. believe racism was, you know, a mo- big motivator in this whole thing. But it wasn't, a, and obviously the teachers that were supposed to protect her didn't protect her, so that's on the school. But then when you go to Nigeria, these, sto- like in the UK, you hear about these stories like maybe what, once a year, once every other year. Yeah. When you go to Nigeria, in one week, you can hear three different stories like this. You hear that in this school, they beat this boy. In that school, they, the teacher was raping that student. In that school, the, the, the senior students were, were doing this to the um, GSS1 students. And the thing is, it goes back to like safeguarding. And they have, you know what it is? They have the organizations in Nigeria that do safeguarding. I can't remember. What was the name of? There was one you mentioned. Uh, NAPTIP. Yeah, so that one deals with like child trafficking and everything. And it's like, that's great because they're actually doing the work that they're supposed to do. But then you need funding, you need facilities to be able to carry out your work um, to a high quality. But what Nigeria is doing when it comes to safeguarding is they're building organizations without a foundation. Because when you deep it, at the very heart of safeguarding is human rights. Mm -hmm. Because in the UK, safeguarding is one way they preserve human rights in a country that does not value human rights how do you now preserve the rights that you don't value can you cannot give what you do not have exactly you can't give what you don't have how when you don't recognize basic human rights how can you protect you you don't even know what you're trying to protect Exactly. You don't you don't have something to protect because you don't have the human rights that you're saying you're protecting. So what they're doing is they're setting up organizations. They're having training courses. Wasn't there in February they did a one day safeguarding something something Kiniko in Lagos. One is one day you want to use to change the whole state. I can't even speak about that. Lagos is a mess. Is it not the same Lagos that um they they want to open up the toll gates? They have Batman and uh, what's the other character dancing at the toll gate. I can't expect anything serious from them. Like, I don't, I don't, I really understand it. And again, that whole opening of the gate and whatever, it just goes back to the whole, they don't value human rights because everything that went down at that gate, if that was a country that valued human rights. We shouldn't still have that gate. And if it's still there, just because, okay, I think it's a lucky Kori one that they're opening now. Yeah. It's still there because, okay, it's a link and whatever. It should be free. Nobody yes. should be paying to pass that yes. place anymore. Because you have lost the right to charge anybody any money to pass that place. But again, you know, money in Nigeria, money comes before human life. Nigeria's motto is anywhere belly face, not front. Not front. <laughs> <laughs> That's, you, know, you know, they should put that on Nigeria's coat of arms. <laughs> they should, it will sit perfectly in that place. Because mm, I don't, I don't get it. It's like you want to do safeguarding, whatever. Because I'm guessing that was like um, the one they did in Lagos, that whole course, whatever. I'm guessing that was triggered by the whole um, Darwin College. college Is it yeah. Darwin or Darwin College? Darwin. I've talking? always called it Darwin, but I've heard people call it Darwin, so I don't really know. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. But yeah, I'm guessing it was triggered because of all of that. But it feels very performative. It yeah. feels like reactive comes. It was like, okay, as a state, 
how do we you know show the rest of the states that we don't tolerate this thing even though we don't give a we don't give a heck yeah okay let's just do this one day training course call a couple of people call some educators call, tell them this is all safeguard and i'm very sure that the resource, resources they use they found it on google if i do a quick google search i'm sure i can you find everything pack. i'm yeah. sure i can put together a pack that i too will use to teach them but um yeah so i think to be honest, I was going to, initially when I was thinking about this, I was going to come on here and talk about how I think Nigeria should work on safeguarding, they should have policies in place, they should do this, but that's so idealistic. You have to start from the ground. You have to build a foundation. If you don't value human rights, there's no need to even come and start talking about safeguarding in Nigeria. There's you know, no need. For me, I feel like Nigeria's problem is just enforcement. Mm. if I tell you the kind of laws we have if it is to be writing laws we are in fact we are super (laughs) carry first in producing meaningless pieces of legislation that never gets enforced we are actually we are wonderful at it you know when um you know when parents say I always confess in class, Nigeria comes first in this class. See, Legislative writing, Nigeria used to carry first. Some of the laws, they're not well written, I agree. But quite a few of them are well written. They actually have provisions. The thing, the problem is that the fines or like the penalties in some of these provisions, they don't mm-hmm. make sense for where we are today. They haven't mm-hmm. been updated in a while. Mm. In a while. So literally, things like the Child's Rights Act, you have them talking about fine of um if if maybe you don't send your child to school or you send your child to hawk you're you're supposed to go to jail for i don't know whether it's three months or pay a fine of um five thousand naira or two thousand naira what kind of fine is that (laughs) two thousand or five thousand i cannot remember the exact amount but it definitely was no more than five thousand what kind of that in 2022 to be honest there if you said in like maybe 2015, okay, fine, 2014. No, in 2020, 2022. In 2022, eh, do you know that that's, that's with the way everything is going, with the uh, the shape in Nigeria, that's a real fine at this point. Because people. I mean, to be honest, send, where they're selling bottle of Fanta for 300 naira, two exactly. money. <laughs> if you have to send your child to Hawk in today's economy, 5K is, is big money for you right yeah. now. Yeah. It's big money. Niger- you know when they're saying Nigeria is so hard? Uh, Nigeria is so hard right now. <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> but I I, like I, 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 what I was is. saying was, I feel like we have the laws in place, right? If you go by, by what something like the Child's Rights Act says or the Violence Against Persons Act for Lagos State, if you go based on what those, those acts say, mm-hmm. Nigerian children should be covered. Yeah. They actually should be covered. They should. It covers everything from trafficking, exploitation, sexual um, assault or molestation, education, healthcare. Literally, it covers everything. But nobody is implementing. Let me not say nobody. The Ministry of Women's Affairs, I have to give them some credits. Mm -hmm. They don't do a bad job. But I think we had had this conversation earlier, and I was telling you, like, the problem is the scale that they are working. Yeah. It doesn't, it, it can't, it, it makes the work almost seem insignificant because Nigeria is so big. 
Yeah. And their activities are so centered in just small areas. I know that they're doing things in these remote areas, but how much can they possibly do? Do you know? I don't think they have the required funding. I don't think they have the necessary, you know, amenities. The things that they actually need to be able to go into these places, educate these people, help the children that need help or the women that need help. They don't really have that. Do you know what the problem is? Like, they're doing this great work. They're doing, but they're doing it in limited places. And like you said, because they don't have the funding and whatever, where's the funding supposed to come from? Is it not government? Mm-hmm. Who is currently sitting in that chair? Where, Which where, of the chairs? The president's chair or the presidency chair? Because they said they're different. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, uh, I have to go and restudy Nigeria's political landscape. Because <laughs> from the day they said that the president, the president is not the presidency. I knew that. I don't know Nigeria's political landscape anymore. Mm. It's have changed. But a bunch of these bodies that government bodies that um, are supposed to be targeted towards these areas, they've taken a more criminalized approach to some of these issues. Mm-hmm. So, for example, children being abused, NAPTIP will step in and arrest the abuser, right? And take um, the the child into custody, into their custody. That is maybe put them in an orphanage or in a government home or something in the meantime. For the case of maybe minors prostituting or something, more than half the time, the minor is arrested. Yeah. And then they start doing rehabilitation programs and um, skills acquisition for them. But why are they arrested? That I don't like. Why are they That's arrested? That's what I don't understand. It's that thing where you are cleaning your front, but no, sorry, yes, you are cleaning your front, but as you are cleaning your front, they are dating your behind. That's just it. Like instead of you to you know target the main perpetrators first then go on to deal with the children that are being, I don't know, like brought into this and being yes. trained up and whatever. Deal with the people that are causing the issue. Yeah. Because I know sometimes they say, you know, you have to deal with it from the root and in um in but situations that's not the like root. this. The child exactly. that is being abused is not the root. The thing is, they're coming from an angle and like, you know how sometimes in situations like this, they'll be like, okay, it's the whole thing like with sex education. If you teach a child from young that this is what sex is, if somebody brings it to them in the future, they are able to make an informed decision if they want to do it. That's how they are going about this thing. It's like, okay, if we teach these children that this thing is bad, but that doesn't matter because with the way Nigeria is, organizations and bodies like this don't have enough funding to go to every single school in the country yeah. and start teaching these kids this thing. So in this type of situation, you look at it, you strategize, and you know that, you know what? The best thing here is to deal with the people bringing these children into this yeah. type of lifestyle first. Once you've dealt with them, gives me, you can now help those kids. It very much gives me war on drugs type of vibes in the mm-hmm. sense that, you know, when America started this whole war on drugs thing, they said, oh, you know, there's a crack, there's a crack pandemic. It's an epidemic that's eating into the yeah. core of our society. This, 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 this. But what they now went on to do was not to, not to criminalize the sale or um, movement of this drug, but rather to now. I mean, they did that, yes. But then they went one step further to criminalize the use mm-hmm. and possession of the drug. Mm-hmm. 
So you have a bunch of addicts that have lost their homes. They can't even pay rent. Some of the women are sleeping with drug dealers for crack and they're getting arrested for being in that state. You should be rehabilitating, take them in, you know, clean them up, teach them what they need to learn to be able to go back into society and function properly, not arresting. Yeah, exactly. And I do understand, like, it's one of those things where I don't understand how you think that this is the best course of action. Yeah. Because, okay, like, with Amer- I'm giving them too much credit. I was going to say that these people are highly intellectual, but <laughs> clearly they aren't. They very much aren't. But you don't need to be the smartest person in the room to know that when you look at the situation, does route A or route B make more sense? You don't need to be the smartest person in the room to see that yeah. the, most, the most logical thing is right there in front of your eyes, but you're choosing to go the other way, which makes no sense and it's going to end up giving you a a result that you don't want yeah and you can you know there are situations where you can very clearly see if i go down this path this is how this thing is going to end yeah and things like this it's very obvious like with naptip now naptip um targeting sorry punishing the children rather than the adults they don't do that all the time by the way yes no but in the occasion when in the um on the occasions they do it's one of those things where it's like you can't tell me that you think what you are doing right now is going to give you the best outcome. Yeah. Like if you sat down and thought about your actions and how this could possibly go, you can't possibly believe that that is going to have the best end result. Like arresting maybe a 16 year old prostitute in a brothel. I won't even, I don't, how do I, you, got, you just can't think that arresting a 16 year old who is working or being made to work in a brothel is the right path to follow. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't anything, make sense. The adults in the brothel all should be arrested and prosecuted for sexual offenses. And the, the minor should be taken somewhere where they can breathe, drink water mm-hmm. first, and then start talking to them. Yeah. That kind of brings us into our main topic for today. I mean, we've been talking for how long now? It's our main topic. But yeah, like grooming. So as I was saying, you know, these kids, the ones that are quite vulnerable, the ones that have big eye that is outside their house and they fall into things like this. It's usually like guys will see the vulnerability. Not guys, guys, men or women know because women also traffic. Yeah. They will see, um, they see these vulnerable kids and they take advantage of that. So it will never ever make sense to me punishing the child, punishing because they're the victim. Yeah, they're the victim in all of this, so it doesn't make sense to me. And again, it it just to be honest, a lot of these problems I won't say can be solved, but we can start to solve them once Nigeria believes human rights is a thing. Once Nigeria believes human rights is a thing, then we can mm-hmm. begin to have these type of conversations. There's no need wasting our time because really and truly from till, from today to thy kingdom come, we can have this conversation. Other people can have this conversation. In fact, they can sit in House of Assemblies and have this conversation. And as long as they don't value the rights of people, there is no way in hell that you're going to see significant, at least not in our lifetime, that we will see significant change as long as they don't value human rights. This is because all of this is secondary. Yeah, which is why I said they're like them setting up all these organizations and whatever. It's great, but you're setting it up without foundation. And any house that is built 
without a solid foundation will not be able to function well. It will either collapse or it will have coma. You know how, the way I see it, I wonder how many times I've said the way I see it on this, <laughs> but let me change it. In my opinion, you've also said that too. My vocabulary <laughs> is limited. <laughs> but yeah, in my opinion, personally, you I said that say too. Nigeria, <laughs> I wouldn't say there isn't a foundation, right? Mm-hmm. Coming from a legislative point of view, mm-hmm. there is a foundation in the sense that we have the constitution that lays out fundamental human rights. Yeah. We have a number of other acts that were done after mm-hmm. that also specifically states what this person should be able to do and what this other person should not be able to do when it comes to another person's, you know, space or another person's body or something. Yeah. The problem for me is not the lack of foundation. The problem for me is the lack of enforcement. But I don't you think you can have, so obviously you can have your, you can have the tools to build your foundation. So like with a house now, you have your bricks, you have your cement, you have all your machines. Then you now have the people that put it together to turn it into a foundation. So you're right in saying that they have all the legislation and you're also right in saying that the lack of enforcement, but don't you think that the lack of enforcement in a way is the lack of, okay, let's not say lack of a foundation, but the lack of a solid foundation. I can agree with that. A solid foundation, I can agree with that. Because if it was just foundation now, I'd say not so much in the sense that if you did actually pursue one of these, you know, cases, and people go arrested, you took them to court, you prosecuted, you, you know, brought out the, the, the rights provisions of whatever law it is that you're using, you would be able to secure sentences against these people. So because of that, I wouldn't say there's no foundation, but I can understand the link between enforcement and the law that's already there and solid foundation. I get that. I can agree with that. And just still on this topic of safeguarding before, you know, we move in to this thing. I have been, I have been waiting to bring up this pastor's matter. I have been waiting before we move into any of all those things. Just to, for everyone that's listening, there are six principles of safeguarding that I just want to highlight because we're the ones that it is essentially were the ones that are going to be creating this environment this good environment for the children that are coming in after us and i think it's just something that we should know so six principles first one empowerment basically supporting these children encouraging them to make their own decisions make informed decisions so basically that's the that's the enlightenment stage going to schools or speaking to the children around you, asking them questions, you know, impacting knowledge on them. So that way it's it's harder for these bad people outside to take advantage of them. The second stage is prevention. Taking action in anticipation, let me not say anticipation, but basically having the foresight to think, okay, what could go wrong here? What could happen to my child in my absence? How do I, you know, 
how do I create barriers or like how do I dig these moats around my child to to prevent these type of negative things from happening? And then there's also proportionality, I think, which ties into what we were saying earlier about the whole criminalization of the victim instead of, you know, actual help for them. Proportionality basically is taking the least intrusive response to the risk that you're facing at that point in time. So maybe, for example, with this whole um, minors being made to work at brothels, it would be considering, is arresting them a proportional response to what we're being faced with? The answer is no. So what's the proportional response? You arrest the adults, you take the minor into your custody, and you begin rehabilitation, not arresting. Am I making sense here? <laughs> yeah, oh, you're making a lot of sense. You, you can see I'm silent. I'm just here like, preach, sister, preach. Because, and then, I mean, a lot of these people, they don't have, you know, not a lot of these people, not even that are listening, but I mean the children and co. Yeah. Maybe they are listening, but they don't have somebody. In fact, everybody, some people don't have anybody or have never been in the environment where they have been exposed or taught about safeguarding. So I'm just here very silently letting you preach your preach, sister. <laughs> Educate the population. <laughs> so, yeah. Number four is protection. This is now where like the agencies come in. This is where enforcing the law comes in. This is where making good use of the courts and the judicial system comes in. This is supporting and representing these children when issues come up. Number five is partnership. I mean, I think partnership is pretty straightforward. We have to build links within our communities that make it easier to prevent and detect and even report when these kind of things are happening. And then finally, accountability. Hold people accountable. Hold schools accountable. Hold the police accountable. Hold parents accountable. Family members. Hold everybody accountable. Let everybody answer by their father's name or by their own name, rather, sorry, because it's not the daddy we're holding accountable. It's the person. So yes, six principles of safeguarding. Brought to you by say You're welcome. The one and only. <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> on this issue of grooming, there was this post mm -hmm. um, a little while ago, and it was this pastor, and I use that word very loosely, it was this pastor that was celebrating his wife's 18th birthday. Now, the problem is, the pastor was like 24, if I'm correct. His yes. wife was turning 18 and mm -hmm. they had been together for four years. That's Let ridiculous. me read his comments. It was a picture of him and his wife with the uh, 18, you know, those balloons that everyone's yeah, like, everyone likes back for the birthday. Yeah. And he said, finally 18 with the star eye emoji and the hearts. I can't describe with words what you mean to me and what kind of person you are. You have been my best friend for four years. You are my girlfriend that I love, appreciate, respect, and admire more than anything. Every moment I spend by your side is like my life has a filter. Thank you for all you give me every day. So excited for the life ahead of us. Forever loving his name. Sorry, I made a mistake then. They're not married. That's his girlfriend. But he has been dating this girl for four 
years and she is just turning 18. Do the math. Do you know what I think about that? She was 14. That is mad. Quick maths. How old was the guy, sorry? He's he's like 24, I think. So he was 20, she was 14. First of all, he is sick. Her parents too are sick. Yes, because how do you see... Do you know what 14-year-olds look like? I Well, I know what I look like at 14. First of all, I was not cute. Like, I was cute in a baby sense. I was yeah. not cute as in a, a grown man should want to date me cute. I then said whether they met in church he was like a youth pastor or something and he was she was in the class or something like that do you know how I was in church at 14 I promise you I had my group of friends and we would sit in Sunday school we all mm-hmm. sit together obviously we'll partake in discussions and bible reading or whatever but we, f- we were feeling like the cool kids and our thing then was to discuss all them Justin Bieber what grown man will see a group of 14-year-olds discussing <laughs> Justin Bieber and say, mmm, sexy? That's the one for me. How? What? 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 It's such a predatory thing. And I, I saw something similar on, do you watch Say Yes to the Dress? Where the bride yeah. come on and they, they try on their dresses. And, everything. and the yeah. bride, one of the attendants that was um helping her try on her dresses had commented like, oh, you look really young. I think she was like 16. And she was getting married and her husband was like mid or late 20s. What are these guys? And her dad was complaining that, you know, he didn't want a dress that was too low or that showed too much skin. Do you know, that's how you know she should not be getting married. She's getting married. Exactly. You're still at an age where you're, because of course, parents are always going to have an opinion on what you're wearing. But if you're at an age where their opinion is actually an instruction... You then you are too young to get married. You mm-hmm. young to get mar- because ah, uh, me at my age, I will come downstairs. Now my dad has stopped the whole um, what are you wearing? Now it has turned into. Hmm, you were here now last time. You said mm-hmm. in this code, you are wearing short skirts. <laughs> yeah, I wore boots and tights. Next time we now come, we say ah, isn't your back hot? You just opened it. All those small small comments that are like. I hate what you are wearing. Go and change, boy. Can't yeah. change. Now be making me wonder. There's something really. I, there's nothing wrong with you. I knew what <laughs> I wore when I wore it. I saw what no, I was wearing. It's just. I think it's it, it's so creepy, right? Because her dad was there talking about how he's a good Christian man that will take care of his daughter. This is clearly a relationship that the parents okayed. They were yeah. on board for this man to come around their child who can't even wear a dress that has a dip in the middle that shows a bit of cleavage so you know what the thing with um relationships like this it goes it's it's one of those this looks like one of those situations where it's like get them young so you can mold them into what you want them to become that's what this looks like because i'm not even going to lie when you get them young, you can mold them into whatever you want them be- to become because as a 14-year-old, you are impressionable. Very impressionable. You are just coming out into the world and seeing things. So this is like your first... You're, at, during your teenage years, you have a lot of firsts in terms of like yeah. first time going out with your friends, your first time um, drinking, first time doing lots of things. So it's like yeah. the environment you're in will now shape you, shape the way you think as an adult. So when men are like, okay, like in this situation now, I feel like they come into this thing thinking, if I can find a blank canvas and create the perfect And then I can just paint my own picture. They are basically doing build a wife. That's it. Because you're catching her before she has the opportunity to 
make mistakes mm-hmm. and learn from her mistakes before she has the opportunity to go to the club for a first time or have her first drink or um you know decide she hasn't even gone to uni yet she doesn't even know do i want to be a career woman do i want to stay exactly. at home? you know what do i want to study what do i have an interest in you've you've taken her before she even had the opportunity to come out of this bubble that's her parents home Mm-hmm. And you're literally transferring her <clears throat> to another bubble. And you're literally transferring her from one bubble to another bubble. Yeah. The thing is, I understand it. Me understanding something doesn't mean I agree with it. Let me just put that out there. <laughs> I I understand it. And I think it's very wrong. Because when you now ask these men, but there are women your age that are 100 times more attractive better equipped to provide you with what you are looking for in your wife yeah. they will not come and say oh no they're too hard-headed oh I don't they're hard-headed you know they're already you, you know what my favorite one is is that nigerian men will say their eyes have torn too much hey. so you're looking for somebody who is blind so you can keep them blind anybody who's already seeing mm-mm. that's the thing you want and they don't raise this peers but then to be honest, they don't they don't reason it because this is what they're going to do to, to their children. You know, obviously, as when you're raising children, you're going to expose them to things like stage by stage. When they reach an age, yeah. you will expose them. When they reach a, these people, those are the type of parents that it's like they shelter their children to the point that they get to uni and they know nothing. And I can't tell you how many of those kind of people I saw in undergrad. Yeah, and the parents' hope self is even okay if he or she goes to uni and doesn't know anything. That means hopefully they will just go to class and come home. Then when they finish uni, they, they aren't damaged goods, more yeah. marks. And it's like you forget that as a child, I'm going to say 18 year old, 19, in fact, up until 20, 20, 21, yeah, a child, you're very much a child because me at 21, what did I know? I was yeah. just graduating uni, I didn't know anything. And the thing is, like, as a child, you that's where you learn things, you know, from your outside experiences. And when you're sheltered to the point that you don't know anything, you're going to be even more curious than the average child. You are going to want to know. Something I would see as 14 and wouldn't interest me, a child that has only ever heard of it from word of mouth, never set their eyes, never been exposed, to, they want to know and they want to check, check their head inside. You know, I agree. But at the same time, it doesn't always happen like that. No, sometimes these children that are really sheltered come out of that environment. It depends on how the sheltering was done. Mm-hmm. Because if they added fair tactics to it, they're never going to want to know anything. Mm. As far as they're concerned, you see people drinking, they, they are going straight to hell, one way ticket. So you don't that even go near true. them. Yeah. Actually. You see people maybe going to parties, um, going to parties, and you're like, oh, hellfire straight away. Anybody who does this will perish in the lake. And you run away. So sometimes they end up actually being adults that have never experienced anything. Yeah. I'm not saying you need to experience everything. It's like with drugs. You don't need to experience drugs, right? Yeah. But you need to be making decisions because you have thought about them. You have seen the pros. You've seen the cons. And this is what you've decided to do. Not because there's someone else above you that's making decisions for your life. And I feel like when it comes to this grooming issue, that's exactly what it is. You're jumping from your parents making decisions for you to your husband or your boyfriend now making decisions for you. Husband and boyfriend, I use it very, very loosely because I don't really think if you're dating somebody that is so much younger than you, I cannot classify you as a boyfriend. 
yeah you are an abuser if you are marrying a child you are not a husband you are you how would I, what do i call it? you are you are a kidnapper <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i'm robber you are a cradle snatcher yeah you're like, stealing babies in the night and it's disgusting it should not be condoned but unfortunately in a place like nigeria where age of consent is what again this brings me back to that child's rights act do you know under the child's rights act the age of consent <laughs> is 18 mm-hmm. 11 northern states have refused to sign that yes. thing age of consent in those areas is like 13 because they do it they don't even do it based on an age they do it based on puberty when do you have your first period so if you have your first period at 10 you're an adult you're ready for marriage. You know why that's so scary? Because there are children that start their period at like eight, nine years old. And they're considered ready. They're are ready. You, are you in, imagine my you coming to tell me that my eight-year-old daughter is ripe for marriage. So like my husband now will now come and tell me that he has arranged one man because our eight-year-old daughter is now of age. I will break somebody's head. I'll just Best see, I, my is, I will even break anybody's head because I can't go to jail over such a waste of a human being i'm just going to pick up my child and disappear you won't set eyes on me again you won't set eyes on my child again i'm going to take any other children i have around me around us i'm going to take them away because you're going to ruin my children's lives i saw this happen so many times in in secondary school Mm -hmm. where there would be girls in like dresses too and they're dating boys in or they say they're dating boys in, in their final year of secondary school. A bunch of these guys are 18 years old. These students are like 12, 11, or sometimes it's even men from outside. Some of these men are in university dating girls in SS1. SS, SS1 is what, is what year in the UK? That's like grade 9, ninth grade? No, yeah, yeah, yeah 10th yeah. grade. And they're dating people in, in university that are like 24 forbid what he's experiencing in his life at that point in time has nothing to do with what you're experiencing i just feel like if you have allowed you have been allowed to witness the world make your mistakes form a character for yourself Mm -hmm. how dare you deny somebody else that opportunity you've seen life you don't want a woman who has seen life because a woman who has seen life will match you toe for toe so you go for a child who doesn't know anything yet and then you just basically put a veil on their head and cover their eyes and tell them, oh, no, don't worry. Just follow me. I'll lead you. But I just want to leave you guys with the seven stages of sexual grooming that yeah. you should be aware of so that you guys can spot grooming outside when you see it. Because a lot of the times, you know, it's after it has happened, then the issue has been resolved. A mm-hmm. case has been like, there's been an open case investigation and it's closed. And then they bring it to Twitter for us or like just as the situation is ending, they'll bring it to Twitter for us and everybody will be there like, ah, but you looked normal now. Nobody, yeah. They don't need to write these things on, on somebody's face, but there are signs that you can actually look out for. And it's like, you know, if you're aware of the seven stages of how grooming happens, it makes it easier to kind of spot it outside. And if you're a good Samaritan, you will call somebody up or you will send some sort of reinforcement in or find a way to help that girl. I mean, if you try to help her and the girl tells you that, no, I love my boyfriend. He's the love of my life. I mean, there's nothing you can really do about that. No, if it's for that one. I say, I have made this thing so clear. People in my friendship group, if you bring a small girl where I am, <laughs> I will so thoroughly deal with you in public. I will so shame you and disgrace you. And I'm going to grab that girl's hand and we're going to live together. I don't care whether she wants to come with me or not. When we get outside, we're going to figure out what we're going to do with ourselves. But I will not leave that place with you sitting down there. Lie, lie. Lie, lie. 
the way I see it, the way I see it, I'm always saying, in my opinion, the worst type of people are the people that see these things happening and don't Mm -hmm. do anything about it. If you mess up like that in my in my presence, you better believe you have bought I have bought fights. I have bought the fights. I don't care whether the person that's involved doesn't want my help or not. I have bought the fights. After that, don't come near me. I agree. It's fine. I'm a bad person. I don't have public decorum. That is perfectly fine. But that I will be sitting somewhere and you, that I know you are even my senior. You're older than me. You will bring a girl that is younger than my last sister, my last sister to come and sit down and drink Chapman and eat fish. Are, are, are you okay? <laughs> Shouldn't she be home? Doesn't you she understand. have school to do? Do you understand? How dare you? I won't find it funny at all. I just wanted to quickly interject there. Just be ready. Anyway, if you see me fighting somebody and dragging another girl, I'll just know maybe that's what has happened. I won't take that funny with anybody. Lila. You can yes, continue. Exactly. Sorry, I just quickly just put disclaimer. <laughs> I do fight disclaimer. over passionate matters. Yeah. <laughs> and I just like to warn all of you that she's not joking. She's very much being serious. <laughs> so if you're a friend of Osaye, you have heard it here today. She will she will drag that girl out and she will beat your bumble. Okay? Honestly. If she can, she does not have the strength to beat you, she will pay somebody to beat you. That's I'm it. Tell you that now. So yeah, when Osai is passionate, what which one is decorum? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, we'll remove the wig and put it back on later. Don't worry, uh, doesn't spoil it. She does hair hair brush and then go uh-huh. to the no. we'll, we'll sort that one out later. But yeah, so the seven stages of sexual grooming are obviously first they will identify and target the child you know when you want something you deny yourself of the fact they will now be saying oh you're mature you're really mature for your age mm-hmm. or and they'll tell is, you oh you look you don't look 14 exactly and you know that that whole thing is is to do with like the adultification of black girls because yeah. Black girls are always held to a higher standard than girls of any other race. Half of the time, people that are grooming children, they know what they're doing is wrong. It's not like, here's the thing, it's not like pedophilia where, you know, some people, it is, I won't lie, it's a mental condition and what they're doing, they think it's right. From there, they now move into the next stage where it's like, you know, making contact with that person, gaining their trust and gaining yeah. access into that person's life. And sometimes they'll do this through like, um, what do you call it? Youth organizations. It can happen in the church. Like, you know, they, they'll take up role as a Sunday school teacher just so that they can spend mm-hmm. more time with that child. Or there, they will now find like a role in a child's life because obviously children have verbal diarrhea as an adult you know you've had you've had enough experiences to know how to like pick information and use it to your advantage so that's what they'll do they will take what you're saying find like an open spot in your life maybe you're having issues at home they will find a way to be your comforter you get like on the playground they basically become your ally and it's like oh you and them against the world exactly promising you don't worry once all of this, once you're out of this space, it's me and you. That takes you into the next stage, actually, which is like the gradual isolation of that that person. So like you're convincing them that it's just you and I against the world. This is this this a Bonnie and Clyde type of thing. Yeah. I'm always gonna be here for you. And in this time, that's where they usually start to introduce all those like sexual terms, you know. Start whole... making sexual jokes and innuendos. Yes. And, you know. and like, you know, the innocent touching where it's like just a normal hug. 
or you just hold hands or your your arm over their shoulder that type of thing then you're not going to create secret relationship this is the fifth step and at this point it has really progressed and if you are aware of this step but at this point you would have noticed a change in that person that child's behavior because now yeah. they're much more secretive they're probably not spending as much time with their friends anymore if they have a phone at this point i mean with this generation that we're in all of us are pretty much glued to our phones but we still know when to put it down in situations like that especially where the child is really young she'll be so or he'll be so excited when you know your name pops up on their screen and i don't mean like that type of first year oh my god I yeah. type of it it's a it's it's a creepy almost type of like addicted to that person type of ex- excitement from there that's when they have started do try to engage in like sexual activity if that's their intention for the grooming they do and then from there you know you hear some people and it's like oh it felt like a cult type of something like they were in some sort of trance this is the stage where they get into that type of something so they've you know they've entered a relationship with this person they now believe they're doing bonnie and clyde they have now started engaging in sexual activities and at this point now this is where some people their eyes open and they're like I can't do this. I'm 14 years old. What the hell? Or I'm 15 years old and you are 30 years old. No, this is wrong. But then not everybody has that kind of awakening and they go on to enter relationships where the guy is controlling. And if the child is really young, they won't even think anything is wrong with it, especially if the relationship goes on for years. It's one of those things where it's like, this is all they know. They don't know otherwise. And even when somebody brings up the concept of, you know, ending the relationship and moving on, it's like in their head, they built up this whole thing where it's like, I can't get anything better than this person. You know, it's pretty sad. So watch out. It goes back to the whole being your sister's keeper yeah and all those things i feel like as a society we're not doing badly i won't say we're getting better at looking out for one another yeah especially with like internet and everything it's very much it's very easy for somebody to just call out somebody then one person will notice it retweet it before you know it there's so much attention and the thing is being sorted out like like that so we're getting better at looking out for one another but when you're aware of all these things, it's easier to, it makes your life easier to help other people as well. And you can also yeah. look out for yourself better when somebody, um, look out for yourself and the people in your family and your close circles better. Because when somebody starts acting like this, you're able to pick it up like that. Yeah, that's all I, I have. Think just uh, flowing off of what you just said. Now, I was reading and I came across something called the fantasy defense. Mm-hmm. This just this this leads us down another rabbit hole, but we mm-hmm. have to go there. The fantasy defense is basically a defense for claims of um, pedophilia or grooming, basically. And what it is is someone who has been arrested on the grounds of you know maybe trying to meet up with a with a minor or sexual activities, trying to have sexual activities with a minor, can use the fantasy defense and basically say that, yes, they are being accused of this, but what they actually intended to do was not to have sexual relations with a minor. What they were doing was was basically a mental fantasy role-playing type thing that wasn't ever intended to end up with them having sexual relations with a minor 
it is absolutely ridiculous in my opinion but this is a defense that was used in court and actually did help the defendant get a reduced sentence it was actually accepted in court in america i can't okay, say for sure how many people face. have used that that defense after but if it worked for one person chances are a bunch of other people are going yeah. to try and use that same defense yeah. but now let me give you the mind-busting part of this defense yeah remember guys this is the fantasy defense for pedophiles this defense basically came up in a matter in 1999 and someone was expecting to meet a five-foot blonde-haired 13-year-old girl and he had given her instructions on what to wear and where to stand and where he would meet her mm. he had sent messages talking about how he wanted her alone in his hotel room and he wanted her to strip naked for him and all of these conversations were had on this online chat room called dad and daughter's sex i wish you guys could see my face right now because what the heck <laughs> and it just so happened to be that it wasn't a a young girl he was speaking to he was actually speaking to an fbi agent posing as a young girl on this website to get you know pedophiles my god this man that i'm talking about was actually a disney employee at the time and he was a high profile disney employee because he was in seattle and he made the trip to los angeles using what disney's private jet god so he's clearly not a floor member i don't think they're going to give the the receptionist the <laughs> private jet to fly to imagine giving los the angeles. assistant um, private jets exactly this is someone who works in an industry that is child oriented i brought this up because we were talking about how you know these guys they put themselves in places where communicating with children is easy yeah this is just one person from disney now but if you search disney scandals with grooming a bunch of them pop up not one not two but thousands <laughs> you know us understanding the realities and also considering you know the more idealistic thing what would we want Moral of the story is don't do it near me because anything you see there <laughs> back off your bullet. Before we end this episode, I just want to say that if you are a victim of any type of abuse, any type of grooming, if you were, I would strongly advise that you talk to somebody. It doesn't even have to be a family member. It doesn't even have to be like super expensive professional help. But I, I strongly advise that you talk to somebody because sometimes things like this, when you bury them for so long, they manifest themselves in strange ways in your life and not necessarily crazy ways, but like they can hinder you from doing certain things. Like, you know, some, some people, that's where their imposter syndrome stems from. For some people, it's feeling of like, you know, feeling that they are less than, they don't deserve certain things. Yeah. And they don't know that, you know, it's because of this experience that they experienced it years ago. So I think it's always best to talk about something. I mean, obviously when you are ready, but yeah. it's always good to talk about something. It may not help and you may still be in the same place or it might, but at least you know you tried to do something yeah. about it. Because these things will eat at you forever. When you have your own children, you'll find that you might start to raise them in fear instead of love. 
And yeah. obviously that fear is a manifestation of your love, but it's coming out in the wrong way because you are scared. You don't want what happened to you when you were a child to happen to them. Yeah. And now you are, you know, it's affecting the quality of love you're able to give to your children. It's also affect if you guys remember, we had talked about the safeguarding steps and one of them was proportionality. It will affect yeah. your ability to act in a manner that is proportionate to the risk that you're being faced with. Yeah. Because now everything is overkill. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what she said. So this was quite a serious episode. I hope we did the topic justice, you guys, because we didn't want to over talk and over joke. And you know, people will now come and tell us that look at what they're talking about and you're laughing. Yeah. <laughs> and we didn't want it to be to, to be so serious where it's one of those things where it's like even if you've never had this type of experience, it's triggering you. So hope we did it justice and thank you guys for listening in to another episode of Material Girl. Oh, also, <laughs> before we go, for those of you that have actually listened to the other podcasts, oh my gosh, thank you guys so much. We've gotten so much, like, we've actually been getting feedback and... Yes. First of all, with the audio quality, trust me, we are very <laughs> aware of what it sounds like. It's just, right now, we are both super, super, super busy. We can't even tell lies. <laughs> we are so busy. Like, this podcast is basically our connection time. Yes. <laughs> our personal connection time that we're just recording for, for everyone to hear. So, trust me, in due season, we will, like, we will upgrade the quality and everything will be sounding cripsy. Yeah. Right now, we're just, like, playing around with different things. We're seeing, like, okay, what can we edit with? What can we record with? When we figure out, when we figure all of that out and we actually have the time to sit down and just finalize everything, you see everything will be yeah sweet <laughs> but as of right now considering as you mentioned we're all so busy but our main 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 the main cocoa of the story is that our aim is to provide you guys with quality content we're talking about serious topics but in obviously in a light-hearted fun-loving way and essentially yeah, we are the br- we are the bridge between millennials and gen z what did my sister call me today the, the um, oldest the oldest millennial no, the the oldest Gen Z millennial. That's what my sister called me today. Because I'm not a Gen Z, I'm not a millennial. But me and Osai, we are the bridge. We bring the two together. Please, excuse me. I'm Gen Z. <laughs> Let's not be making such casual assumptions. Let me not expose your... You know, I always find this so funny, right? Technically, I'm not even mid-twenties yet. And these mid-twenties guys are always trying to pull me up to where they... I'm not there. Don't rush me. Don't don't worry, I will come back in a few months. I'm early. Come on. So, on that note, thank you guys very much for listening to this episode. Give us your feedback. You know, comment on our instagram or twitter pages or even send us an email and yeah from osasu and osai bye bye